everybody, and welcome back to the Creative Kindergarten Podcast. My name is Amanda, and I'm an early childhood educator in Ontario, Canada. And this podcast is a place where I share all my thoughts, my ideas, my learning around kindergarten. And I think this is the third week in a row where I have a kindergarten educator joining me for the podcast where they get to share their expertise and their learning in kindergarten. I'm so excited this week that Sarah from Loose Parts of Kinder is joining me. She is sharing all of her knowledge, her ideas, and you know, all the overall essence of loose parts in kindergarten. She really dives into how she uses them, how she introduces them, how she stores them, all of that good stuff. The things that I get asked about a lot every time I share about loose parts. Uh, She gives such amazing ideas to the point that in the middle of the podcast, I'll get really excited when she shares one of her ideas because I had one of the materials in the classroom that I was wondering what to do with and she gave me a great idea for it. So I'm really excited for you guys to listen to this podcast. If you are new to loose parts, if you, you know, are just starting to dabble into loose parts or you want to reignite your love for loose parts or just looking for some new ideas, this is a great place to start. And of course, going to uh, Sarah's Instagram and taking a look at her amazing ideas over there. She shares a lot more than just loose parts on her Instagram as well. So you'll be able to find lots of ideas for kindergarten. We found out that we live very close to each other when we were um, talking to each other at the beginning of the podcast. And so it's pretty exciting to know that, you know, somebody as passionate about the kindergarten program lives so close to me and just the energy that I got from her got me really excited to re-engage with loose parts in the classroom and really inspired me to introduce more loose parts. Like we use loose parts a lot, but inspired me to use even more loose parts with my students. And so I hope that it does the same for you. And I hope you enjoy this podcast. If um, you want to find Sarah over on Instagram, you just have to search up loose parts of kinder. You'll find her. But if not, I'm going to share all the links that we talk about in this podcast episode in the show notes. So you'll be able to find her. And of course, I will be tagging her in my post over on Instagram on my Instagram as well. So you'll be able to find her through there. Thank you so much for joining me and I hope you have a great uh, listen to this podcast and you enjoy it just as much as I did. Hi everybody and welcome back to the Creative Kindergarten Podcast. Today I am joined by Sarah from, from Loose Parts of Kinder. Hi Sarah. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. Feeling the October slump. <laughs> yes, just I'm worried about what Halloween is going to bring us next week and hopefully we make it out of here in one piece. Absolutely. No, I agree. Jammy day is November 1st. It's already been determined. What a great idea. Well, maybe that's something I'm going to have to institute at our school as well, <laughs> just to like have a day where I can just not just be comfy and not have to like think about it too much. Pajama. Right. That's the whole point. I don't want to think on that day. Pajama and movie day. That sounds awesome. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's so nice to have you on the podcast. We've been talking a little bit back and forth and the first thing, as soon as I saw your Instagram name, Loose Parts of Kinder, I love some good loose parts play, some open-ended play. So I saw your name and I was wondering how you got to come up with that like handle for Instagram. 
Yeah. So it actually started about four years ago. I was off on mat leave and following different teachers on social media prior to leaving for mat leave. And it just felt overwhelming. I wanted that disconnect of having my own private Instagram where when I went on, I wasn't thinking about teacher or teacher life. And then having, you know, that space where I could go in and grab some really great ideas and think about things in a different way. I also, again, with packing up and going on mat leave, I was putting all these loose parts away into storage and trying to remember what I had. And my one goal for mat leave was to make labels for all my bins. So when I went back, it was something already done because it's one of those things we just put off on the to-do list. And you're like, in 12 months, I I could get that one job done for school, I think. (laughs) Yeah. I had taken pictures of everything and I just started posting them in there to have something posted as like a little bit of a library of loose parts. Um, So if you scroll way back in time, um, you will see my original loose parts and what I started out with and what I had in my catalog, for lack of better words, at that time. Um, Yeah, and then people just started liking it, of liking the loose parts and wanted to know what I used them for, um, because I would put like little captions of like, what we had used them for in the year, just to kind of remember to jog my own memory. And it was more like a diary to myself um, of putting it in a place where I could just scroll back and it was quick to look back at. And then it just started growing from there of using loose parts. And I then started sharing free or recyclable loose parts that people could gather because at that point in teachergram it felt like a very much like bye 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 and you needed to have like this worksheet or this workbook and at that point in kindy land and in four years it has shifted so much right uh, very hands-on um, we're nothing a uh, you know, very little paper pencil, right? I remember starting kindergarten and being like, okay, you're going to stand at the photocopier for a week and photocopy all these things to get you through the week. And now how much photocopying we do is very little. So um, yeah, there's a phase in there of loose parts where it was a lot of recycled, um, which you'll still see from time to time. Now, when I post our little trays or activities or small world plays, um, reinventing and reusing and repurposing recycled materials, And then uh, COVID hit and the lockdowns hit and just out of my own need um, made those placemats and shared them with other kindred teachers I knew in my board and who I'd worked with in the past and just, you know, sharing. And they all said the same thing. They're like, you should be sharing this with everybody. And I did. And everybody like it's true lots of people love them they got down like so many downloads they still get downloaded from time to time I still use them I use them in my emergency plans um and then I got hooked on TPT and loose parts of kinder has grown in so many different ways and now it's really evolved into all the loose parts it requires to teach in the Ontario play-based inquiry child-led program um, and supporting other teachers so over the last probably two and a half years, it's really taken that change in growth, um, which has challenged me professionally. um, But it's also been really fun to to be part of. So yeah, so it started as a diary has definitely grown and taken a huge jump and huge change. 
Oh, that's so awesome. I still use my Instagram as a diary because the other day I was like, what was I doing last year? Like my brain, unless I have a picture of it, it's gone. Like, don't, I will not remember what I did last week. So I even like, I start scrolling back in my feed trying to figure out what I did last year. And like, oh, I did this. This was such a good idea. Like why I just, I want to do it again. Right. Absolutely. No, same. spot you do that scroll. It is, it is a good spot to store that. Yeah. And it like brings back all these and even brings back the memories of like, Oh, I remember that kid that did this. And with this provocation, like how successful it was with them and not everything you always do is ever is going to work like the next year. But, um, sometimes it it's just like one of those great provocation that just is so open-ended it transfers into like every year. But yeah, I love having that like archive of, (laughs) um, activities and ideas and provocations that I can just scroll back to. It's such a great, but I love a little catalog of loose parts as well. That's so fun. Yeah. Yeah. So no, and, um, no, absolutely. You're, and it's fun to see what we struggled with before and now what we're struggling with and how things have changed and improved. And actually we were having this conversation, um, with some colleagues of mine about different holidays and how holidays and religion and culture and how it all mixed together. And there's that very fine line between appreciation and appropriation. Um, and it's really hard to know and to think we're going to look back in a couple of years, five, 10, when we go to retire out of this profession and be like, I was right there in the beginning when we things were changing and we were more inclusive and we were trying. Um, Did we have to apologize? Probably. And probably more again in the future of doing the wrong thing and trying to navigate this really fine line. But it's just really nice to look back and reflect and see where we've come from. That's funny because we had the exact same conversation at one of our meetings yesterday about like, you don't want to perpetuate any more harm in the activities and the learning that you're doing in the classroom. But at the same time, you can't be so scared to take any steps forward that you don't do anything and you don't move forward. So it's just, how do you keep navigating and reflecting and moving forward in your practice while still like trying not to perpetuate any more harms in the classroom? Absolutely. Yeah. We had a presenter who was really good. She's like, it's better to have made a smudge in the sand that you can say sorry for and fix than do nothing at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I thought oh. that was really powerful just as a good kind of mindset. Yeah. Um, so loose parts, how would you define loose parts for those that are listening? I um, just list, um, I was just looking at my Instagram demographics and not everybody who listened to the podcast is Canadian and definitely not everybody's from Ontario. So I don't know if loose parts is like a term that is used worldwide. Like, I don't know. I know definitely North American. Um, there's a four part book series, um, and the authors of the loose part books, um, are from the States. I believe California, um, is where they originate from and they share their journey from a preschool perspective. And so they have four beautiful texts that is filled with, with pictures of loose parts being used in preschool. Um, but it completely translates to the early years. Um, I've even taught junior of, um, grade fours and fives and they love loose parts. So it's a great way to bring it into art and storytelling and language, um, building. So it, it's just great for children. So loose parts to me is the open-ended use of materials. 
And so you have materials that of different textures, different sizes, um, they're visually stimulating, they're texture stimulating, they're stimulating to the ear. You can manipulate them in multiple and different ways. Um, yeah, they're very, they're just very open-ended and the child or the person playing with them has to bring the imagination to them. Um, so for example, right now we have a loose part tray out that is some Play-Doh rollers, some rocks, some corks. Um, what else is in there? There's some gems in there and then some green Play-Doh. So to look at it, it's kind of a visual mix of just stuff like the wine corks are recycled so almost garbage in there right <laughs> yeah. um that you can have but you present this to children and you're coming up like today they made um different frankensteins we had we had read a story about that and so with the green play-doh they're adding the different features the stones or eyes or their mouths the gems or buttons or their clothes the corks are arms and legs or they became a house the intent was to retell our learning tree that we go to. So giving the corks was to be the, the bark or to be the trunk of the tree or sticks we find on the ground. So there's lots of different possibilities for them, but they've taken it off in their own little direction. And it was a lot of fun to listen to their stories today as they're creating their different Frankensteins um, and Frankensteins then starting to have a story and coming to, to life but they're truthfully having like garbage or a recyclable <laughs> of wine corks are now, you know, pressing buttons on each other's Frankenstein. So the action and the movement comes from the child. It's not there in, in the materials that's happening. And I, I love how portable the loose parts can be that they're not just in one quote area. So like you might have them at a tabletop center with some Play-Doh, but then my students, they were building in the block area and they're like, can we bring, I forget what they even asked for, but they're like, can we bring this over to the blocks? And I was like, of course, take it, go, go get it. It's just on the ledge for you. And they're able to like use them in different contexts for different play areas. And it's really that open-ended imaginative play where us as educators, we're not putting anything no expectations. We're not putting anything into it. We're not guiding that play. It's solely based on what the students want to reflect in it, which Absolutely. I love. Yeah. And as an educator, I love to like building on your point. Um, we had a, a tray put together for math. And so different loose parts, we had Play-Doh lids and we had gems. Um, there was actually, we had a parent donate once the end of spools from a sewing machine. So they're all different colors. Um, that was there. Um, beads I had cut up into different lengths, like, you know, those um, Mardi Gras beads. So they're different lengths. Um, oh my goodness. You just made me think of an idea. I just had a bunch of them in my hand today and I had all these beads and I'm like, what am I going to do with this? And you just I'm now, that's what I'm going to do with them tomorrow. Thank you. <laughs> no. Yeah. And so intentionally I cut them like one, two, three lengths. Like yes, yeah. so then for numeracy, you can pull them out and like make number lines with them. But then, you know, you put them out with Play-Doh or building blocks and they become like the, the edge of, you know, their castles or um, they become money and I need a really long money in the ice cream shop and they pull out the different lengths. Yeah. Okay. Thank so, you. Great idea. 
Yeah. And so I hadn't put it away yet. It was on my to-do list. It was just the never ending. I'll get to it later. And um, yesterday when I was making new senders, this tray of items got broken up into three different places. So instead of putting away, it got repurposed. They're, ex they're used to and exposed to all these materials, but now they have they have a new home. So, and then we actually as well have a shelf in our room um, that holds bins. And so as the year goes along, we continuously add more loose parts to it. So by the end of the year, it's completely covered. It holds about 16 bins mm -hmm. um, and we'll switch them out as well for some other things, but that they have all all these materials to put together. Um, so today, actually, we have a bin. One of the first ones I put out is lids. Just collect a whole bunch of lids, Play-Doh lids um, off of cans, like like um, spaghetti jars, the tops of those, um, mayonnaise jars, just lids, right? Gatorade, pop bottles, just anything. And they all go in there. So it's also not a big deal if you lose them because it's just recycling and you can replace them. Yeah. Um, but this one is so popular to get dumped on the ground all the time. And today that happened, but then friends started to stack them inside just how some had fallen and they were using their spatial reasoning and they were problem solving to make, and they were so proud of themselves once they were able to like completely fill it right down to a water bottle cap. They had put, started with like an extra large um, mm -hmm. mayonnaise lid and just kept figuring it out and filling it in. And it was really, it was really cool. And some deep math learning is happening there. And again, simply because they just dumped the bucket. But then other times they've taken the same bucket of lids and put them with our wooden blocks. And we have hollow ones where they can dump the whole, um, container down the hollow blocks and now they start taking them out and they're feeding their animals it's animal food uh, <laughs> right or then they start feeding each other um at, at a restaurant um, because of the different colors and sometimes the colors coordinate um with food as we see it in real life and sometimes it doesn't and um they'll talk about quantities oh you only get a small bit of ice cream you only get a small cupcake and you're like well you've probably heard that in your real life and making <laughs> that connection and bringing that out so yeah again they use these lids for all different reasons um and they get but they come alive with, with their imagination. They're not given, given a purpose. Yeah. One of the words that you use, and this is something that anytime I post about loose parts or provocations, I get asked this question and I have my answers that I get, but I wonder if um, you have any different answers. I often get asked, like, what do you do if a kid just keeps, or kids multiple keep just dumping the materials? And people say, my kids just dump it. They don't do anything with it. And so I have my standard answer, but I wonder like, what do you, like, how do you respond to kids just dumping things and not necessarily engaging in what we as educators see as like purposeful play with the, with the loose parts? Right. Yeah. So it also, I feel like that answer is going to be so layered. Um, it depends part of the year. So right now at the beginning of the year, it's observing them. If they dump and walk away and they're just, for lack of better words, going through a construction site and they're just dumping everything, um, it's supporting them with play. They may have never had the opportunity to play with loose parts and know how to bring imagination to play. Um, there's so many toys on the market where they're, they do all the imagination for them. Um, so I think of um, 
like light up toys where you press a button, it lights up, you press a button, it sings to you. They've only had that cause and effect. They've never had to use their imagination. But if you think of like a ring toy game, that classic, like $8 toy of plastic rings, Yes, there's the stacking and the spatial reasoning of stacking it, but they could be used for so many different opportunities. Like I think my own son, like he used those in his construction trucks. They became um, big boulders that he had and they would load in the back of his dump truck. Um, sometimes we would use them as a game and we would slide them back on back and forth on the floor. But again, it's bringing that action to it. So if it, at, at this point in the school year, early in the school year, or when a child's first coming into your program, they may have never had exposure to toys like that. Um, so it's sitting down and showing that for them or intentionally pulling them in when that is happening with other children, when other children are doing that, stopping them, or if they're looking lost, pulling them over and helping them out with that. If some, some students need to dump everything. So they might be window shopping and going around and dumping everything and they might just need the opportunity to go off to something else so I always kind of wonder like is this safe like if I stand here or I'm within close proximity and you have a window shopper on your hands can I safely guard this to keep everybody else safe before the child is ready to dive in and bring their idea alive they might not even have an idea and they just need that time to explore how it goes together like today like i was talking about with them stacking the lids i don't know if they had a plan for that it really didn't seem like it um it was a friend who had been away sick and had been returning and was really into that window shopping today um and just was playing with another friend and I had added in um, families had sent like the top of those bath and body works candles, like they're really shiny metallic. So they were sitting right on top of the bin. So I don't know if that caught their eye that there was something new in there or something metallic and dumped it. And then the learning that led there. But if you had stopped them or cleaned them up, we may have never given them that opportunity to have that chance to just experiment, explore um, and feel feel it out. Um, I always try and connect with parents that way of going shopping. Sometimes you just need to go shopping because you just need to get out of the house. You just need to go see what's new in the store. Maybe you want to decorate your holiday, your house for the holidays and you're feeling in a flump and you go and you get inspired with how other stores are doing it. Um, so it's the same thing. You just need to be inspired. And so by just touching the materials, moving the materials, maybe even the sound of dumping them helped inspire them to create. So giving that flexibility and and really trusting your students and trusting the children um, that there will come an outcome. And if there's not, what can you do to do those little small questions or prompts to help guide that thinking in getting that rich learning um, that's happening? I think it's also modeling yourself. That's exactly what down and playing with them as well. Yeah. So we spend a lot of time, like we haven't even got to small groups yet um, because we've just been playing with them. And I really invest the time in now of I play with you. So then as we start those small groups and they have to come play with me, even though we try and balance our day of I play with you, you play with me, um, that they, that you're modeling that and you're showing them what what to do with these because it is deep level thinking to engage with with loose parts yeah and it can I also think if you put out two materials it can be overwhelming for some students as well like 
some of these kids in Ontario, I've said this before in the podcast, like they're still just three years old and you're putting all of these shiny objects in front of their eyes. And you're like, here, just play. And they're like, what, what is this? Like, yeah. what do I do? There's so much stuff. And so dumping like all everything into a pile is just what is like coming naturally to them. And so if they've never seen any kind of play modeled with loose parts or with open-ended materials they just have no idea what you're even asking of them so having those opportunities to sit down and model it for them like can really inspire some some deeper learning especially later on because I find that sometimes they are just watching you and they're not 100% sure but then it just kind of sits in their brain and the next provocation the next material that's put out for them might really inspire some more learning from them Absolutely. And and you're, and you nailed it. Like it's slow and steady. Like we don't put everything out all at once. It's just a few things. Like we started the year with cars, um, like a people bin, which is a mix of um, peg people, like Fisher Price, little people, um, and learning resource has, um, some diverse people as well. So it's a, a mixed bin of those. Um, and then we did lids and flowers. So taking like um my grandma had a whole bunch of like fake flowers she used to use in her old house so we took the um, them off the wire pieces and that's just a bin so different textures for them different materials to engage in some familiarity from home lots of us have like people and um cars and then something new and shiny and then as we go along we'll start to add add to it as well Mm -hmm. I know when I first started I was very like okay only the white gems go in this bucket like only the Halloween pom-poms go in this bucket and then they would just dump them all together um so I really embraced that so now we have like a Halloween bucket and it's got leaves it's got pumpkins it's got you know orange purple and green pom-poms in it it's got different gems and they seem to enjoy that more because they don't need to like go through the catalog to put it all together. It's just there for them and they can start a little story. So kind of even taking that step back of like a bigger concept for each, mm-hmm. each and every, every bin, because like, I would have had like a Fisher price people bin. I would have had a peg people bin and it's like, well, they're all people. Like I don't really need to separate yeah. them. And it's yeah. safe space. Yeah. And For me, when sometimes I set up provocations, I might have like pumpkins and gems and all these kinds of things. And then if they all get dumped, then that's a great opportunity to teach about sorting with your with the students, right? Like that is a great teachable moment where, okay, we dumped all this for the next person to be able to find what they're looking for. We need to put this back in a way that people can find with with what's in this container. So let's sort through this and put things that are similar together. And so last week, one of my little peanuts, she dumped just everything onto one spot on the table. And I looked over and my initial adult reaction, educator reaction was like, Oh my God, what am I going to do with this mess? And then I took like a breath and I was like, okay, like I can work with this. And I sat with her and um, English is not her first language. So I took that as an opportunity to talk about like the vocabulary that goes along, like, oh, look, the gems go in this, look at how shiny they are. Oh, the um, rocks go in this one. This one's a rough rock. And so like, I was able to bring in the vocabulary, the sorting, all of those elements. So I made it into like a really rich 
teachable moment. At least I think it was for me, yeah. I outsider lens, maybe she didn't listen to a word I said, who knows, <laughs> but yeah, I was able to turn it into that teachable moment. I know we don't always have time in the day to do that, but I knew I was watching the clock. I knew we had like about five or six more minutes and I was like, okay, I need about five or six more minutes to clean this up. So I'm going to start getting her tidied up early and I'm going to figure this out with her. And it it turned into like a really, really great moment where we were able to clean it up and maybe her learning that day wasn't, I'm going to make something out of these loose parts. Maybe it was just the oral language that I was able to work with her on while we cleaned it up. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's having, you know, that calm educator approach of, you know, the learning's not always tangible. Mm -hmm. And I think that was part of getting uncomfortable with loose parts in the beginning is you're not sending it home. Like you have to capture it another way, that digital way of capturing what they've done um, so that you can use them over and over and over again and in various different ways um, as well. Yeah. So many times he's like, can we take a picture of this? I'm like, of course we can take a picture of this. And at first, a lot of them were very protective of their work. And as the year goes on, they get less protective of it because they know like, I can take a picture of this and then I can build something else. I can build something with somebody else. I can go use a different material and they become less protective of, I don't know if protective is the right word, but less um, and there's probably about. some teamwork that comes into that too, mm-hmm. right? Because they see that the loose parts are always there and everybody can use them and they're accessible for all. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big part of it. Having, like you said, having an ELL learner, um, I've had children who are autistic that are in the classroom who love engaging it as well. Um, we had a child who was very auditory seeking and so the way that this child would take loose parts around the room and had his like had his favorite points in the room to hit things um to make that sound it would always be really interesting to take new loose parts out for this child to get that sensory seeking um and so you could see, like instantly you you could see that response and that was the most musical group I had because this child led a music inquiry every day um and we try different loose parts and you all you always had to keep the favorite ones out that made the favorite sounds because if one was not good they would push the bucket and so for that child's learning or the the tray we had them in or whatever it was so for that child's learning it was learning you don't like it go get your favorite you don't, like don't push it go get your favorite right it's okay you don't like it and that took a little bit but it was you know it they're for everybody. Like everybody can be included in loose parts where if you sit down and have like a teacher led outcome, that's not as inclusive and can make your planning a lot more difficult where, yeah, we might have a beautiful provocation to build a snowman. And here we have this child who's auditory seeking, you know, using the different materials and over time learn to put it back and then could classify like this makes this kind of sound. So, and then they got to be included in the activities as well and the materials that were being, being used. Mm -hmm. And um, loose parts not only are accessible for our students, but for educators as well. Like that's one of the main things that I hear a lot of educators talking about how we don't have enough resources for our classroom. Like, oh, it gets expensive buying these resources. But as you said, like you can like 
my husband who's editing this podcast right now will know that I save everything. Like, I'm like, wait, I can bring that to the classroom. Don't, don't throw that out. Right. And so there's always like a pile of stuff that I'm bringing to the classroom to be reused. And so those are like the most accessible resources for educators as well. Like use those things because for us, it's garbage for our students. It's like those little treasures that they absolutely love. And yeah, no, our husbands, they could probably share, enjoy a beer over the, what crazy things do you have to save out of your garbage and recycling? Yes. Like we just got our kitchen renovated and our poor, pardon? (laughs) So many good things could come out of that. It was true. Our poor contractor. I was like, can can we like save that? Like, can you collect like, and he was just like, really? Okay. Like he, we, he's a friend, like we know already. And he was just like, okay. And he was starting to do the same thing. Do I throw this out? Do I give this to you? And I'm like, no, you can throw that out. So yeah, we have a box of all like the crown molding that's going to school. Cause I have this box for outdoor learning um, that stays like in our shed of different like tree cookies and different sticks and different um, bark pieces I've collected. And I'm going to throw this in there too um, for them just to like have more and see what they come up with. So yeah, no, definitely lots of things came from that. And just the most random stuff. Like I went, whenever we buy the bags for my dog's poop bags, like the middle of them have these like, like skinny cardboard tubes. Yeah. And so I have been collecting like skinny cardboard tubes. Like I have a pile of these little, they look like mini uh, toilet paper rolls, but like very skinny. And I'm like, yep, I just, like, I have a collection of those. And anybody else, like, this is automatically recycling. For me, I'm like, ooh, something new to bring into the classroom. Right? Right? It's just, it's funny how your mindset, like, shifts to, like, what can I reuse? What can I bring in? Like, I don't want to spend money on a bunch of stuff. So what, what do I have that I can bring in to use? Absolutely. And parents love being able to contribute, especially parents who aren't able to come contribute their time, um, that they can contribute material. So it's a really great way to have that um, family, um, family school connection with them. And especially if you're asking them to dig through their recycling. Um, Right now, like our students really want to build a castle. They're into mythical um, creatures. And so they want to have a castle they can eat in. I'm like, okay, this may take us a little bit to collect boxes, but we'll do it. And the number of parents who show up at the fence are like, is this what you want? They've got this like weird look on their face. They're very questionable because they've you know, they just walked through the parking lot. They're carrying recycling. People are probably staring at them and you're like, yes, like, yes, I absolutely want that. Thank you so much. And you praise them. And, and they're, and then, and then you see their face change and they're like, okay, I did the right thing. I did a good thing. But um, yeah, they're always like, really? No, please. Or toilet paper tubes. Like parents, like, do you want those just like all the time? Yeah. As soon as they're empty, like send them in, don't hold them back. Don't recycle them. And, and talk, Talking on that line too, that's how I built my collection. I have admittedly stopped doing this because I feel overwhelmed in uh, the number of loose parts we have right now. But sending home a brown paper bag um, with every family, there's a little poem, I believe it comes out of the first loose parts bag um, about treasures. And I know I have a little one done up on my teacher's paid teacher store that um, if you're listening to this, you can just download, staple on the front of those brown paper bags and send home with them with them. And it talks about that. And I remember one year, like a family was cleaning out their grandma's home and we got so many 
so many Christmas spools, um, so many, so much washi tape buttons. The heat, like this grandma had just a, like the old school peanut butter jar of the teddy bear, just full of buttons that had come off of, you know, clothes or she had bought or whatever. And I still have quite a few of those and we've even used them for like crafts and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so some families, like we always say, like, if all you can send is a twig, if all you can send is a toilet paper tube, that one thing helps our collection grow Mm -hmm. um, and evolve and change and then you have some families who are like so we have like five grocery bags full you're like perfect send them my way I love it we'll go through it and see see what we can use see what we need to recycle so yeah I find if you're getting started with your loose parts collection that's a really great way asking families to to do exactly that look through their recycling and collect something for you I was talking to somebody at my school. I think she was a facilitator. Yeah. One of the facilitators, they had done something like that at a school that she was at and they had asked for like fabric scraps, like if somebody sews or something and all these families had sent in fabric scraps from sewing projects that they had done. And so this, they put all of those into the dramatic play center and it led to such um, beautiful uh, dramatic play with those like loose parts, but it was pieces of fabric. And she said, not only was it a wonderful loose part, but it was like an inclusive way to involve like the families into the classroom because there was fabric from around the world that was like included now in their classroom play. So she said it was one of those things that the educators didn't even think of. But then when they asked families, all of this stuff started coming in. They're like, oh my goodness, this is like a glimpse into their culture. This is a glimpse into like their families just having these materials come in as well. So if you get lucky, you also get a little bit of that as well when you ask for things to come in. Yeah, absolutely. No, that, that is so, so amazing. So wonderful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I find I have, I, I didn't, it's not really fabric, but they're like pieces of almost like gauzy type material that's in our dramatic play center. And it's like one of the materials that gets used the most in our classroom. The kids love playing with it. They love twirling around with it, throwing the pieces in the air. They use them um, as aprons. They use them as shirts. They put them on the floor for picnics. They wrap the babies in them. They use them for so many different things. And it's just pieces of fabric that I just have like yeah and it's just it can be that simple and it doesn't have to be complicated or expensive or anything like that no and that's my favorite place to it went like when you're collecting and building it, it again it drives my husband nuts but we always have to check like the clearance section the clearance section at home depot of fabric land like any store um always checking the clearance like i know i took a part um we went to a tile store mm-hmm. and they had this very small amount of these um, hexagon tile pieces and i pulled them off the backing Yep. Now we have hexagons for not only math, but they love using them as pathways. They're heavy. So again, it's a different um, weight for them to explore and experience. So they often get used in so many different ways. And I think it cost me like $4 um, for like two, three big handfuls of these hexagon tile pieces that they love. They love to use. Um, the other one is like outlet stores. So craft outlet stores. I know, um, 
there's um, one local in Toronto and they do these grab bags and we've got some beautiful beads in different colors I had never, never gotten. And then like you said before, you get that family connection. Oh, my mom loves this color on her dress. Like my mom has a necklace that looks like this. And it just, again, making that connection for them in the world, in their world. Yeah. Yeah. They can put so much into these materials, things that we would never think of in a million years. And then they come up with these amazing things and you're just like, wow, that's amazing. (laughs) Like you're just, you get blown away and you know, you have those students that it takes a little bit more time and then that's okay because you're opening them up to like using their imagination, using their creativity in a way that they might not have been exposed to before. And you can be that outlet for them. You can provide that opportunity for them. And as an educator, you have to model it first for some students. Like that's just part of introducing any material. The same thing with loose parts. You introduce it, you model it, and you sit with your students. Yeah. Yeah. You you still have a role to play as an educator. And I think as an educator collecting materials, I try and keep in the back of my head through what I have trying to introduce different shapes, different textures, um, different materials all together. Um, like I can't even think different weights is another one. So when I'm buying something, it's like, am I buying that? Like, what am I buying it for? Do I already have something that is similar or, you know, has like the same color, the same shape, the same weight. Okay. No, I don't need this next one or in my category, in my collection, I'm missing something that is, you know, transparent, or I'm missing something that is a rough texture, a soft texture is bumpy um, for them. So that, like you said, you can expose them. And then once they start to warm up, they, they share more about them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it takes time. Like a loose part collection is not something you're like, all right, this Christmas break, this summer, I'm going to collect and I'm going to have the perfect set is definitely curated over time. And I think a lot of people default to like the dollar store and the dollar tree, dollarama, like gem collections, which, you know what? I love having a good gem out for students to explore. Like that's a great, like, but like you're saying, you need more than just like a collection of gems. And you know, um, I know they're starting to be made out of cardboard, but like my teaching partner last year brought in a bunch of bread, um, the bread tabs and those come in so many different colors and the kids love them. And I was like, these are bread tabs guys. Like, this is what, (laughs) this is what we're engaged in. I'm like, great. But like, it's things you don't even think about that. You know, if you just, you bring some in and the kids are all of a sudden excited about them. And again, it's not always going back to the same, like, oh, I've got a different colored gem from the dollar store, but like what other things can we bring into our classroom that, you know, are found items that are not necessarily things that were, um, I don't know. I see the typical loose parts collections that are found at the dollar store, which, again, like you can start there, but like expand it, expand it to more than just the tabletop stuff that you kind of see, like materials, like textures, weights, sizes, all those different things are really important as well. Yeah. My, my dream would be to have like an outdoor 
um, loose parts collection where you would have like milk crates full of pine cones and those like river rocks or rocks that are a little bit bigger, you know, lumber from construction sites that are all different sizes that are completely safe and stand, sanded off bricks. Um, I can't even think of more off the top of my head, but just that I like different sticks that have fallen down. You found it tree stumps, tire, you know, tires. Old yeah. tires. yeah. All of Bucket. that. And all of those like lovely big things. Yeah. Right. And having that, I know we visited, um, green, what is it? Green words. Yeah. Yeah. And they have a beautiful space like that. And I just want to bring that to to our kindergarten yard. I just love that um, for outside. So yeah, and it's, and it's fluent too of inside and outside. Like we, we promote playing with sticks. And I think sticks is like the original loose part. Um, and we think of kids and all the things they've come up with with using a stick for generations. Like you hear about it in stories back from like Little House in the Prairie times. Like they even talk about it in those books and that um, real life experience with playing with sticks and turning it into a doll or, or whatnot. So it's like, it's the OG yeah. <laughs> of loose parts. And again, free, just go yeah. out and collect them. Um, pine cones were a huge hit with my students and acorns. My kids were playing with those for ages this year. And it was, again, we picked like our students picked them up while we went on a walk. Like it wasn't even me that had to go out and collect them. Um, leaves, my students were making bouquets with leaves for the longest, like the leaves are beautiful this year, but like, they're still collecting them and making bouquets. And now I, they were doing something with them today in hula hoops. I don't even know what they were doing. I got distracted, but they were making pile different piles of leaves inside of hula hoops outside. And so, yeah, just letting them have these materials. And then they are like, oh, can we bring these inside? I was like, sure, I guess bring, bring in the leaves. Let's do it. And then, so now they have these piles of leaves in our classroom and I'm like, all right, this is what we're playing with today. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's, that's exactly it as an educator, having that flexibility and freedom to let them take ownership in the learning. And you're putting, you're saying back to them, like, I trust you. Like, I trust you with this material. I trust your imagination. I trust and, and that goes a long way that translates into so many just different aspects of the classroom, like when, when they're struggling, or, you know, they have hurt somebody, and they're having that hard time self regulating, you've had these little positive moments where you've said, in a roundabout way that I trust you, then they'll trust you to help them solve a problem. They'll trust you when it's time to, you know, do some phonics work or do some more traditional numeracy work um, that you're trusting them with, with what, what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And you're honoring what they're doing. Like it's really saying like what you are finding important right now is important. Like I find it important as well. And I'm going to honor that and allow you to explore that in a way that you are enjoying and having fun and, just allow, like, again, some of these kids are still three, like they just want to play. And it's just like, let's let them explore and find their creativity and and let them play. Absolutely. And you see, like, actually we went on a field trip recently and there was this big, um, like in the middle of the coniferous forest. So they were obviously brought there, these big, beautiful maple leaves that were yellow, that were laid in a circle and sticks and pine cones. And there was these, this beautiful, what again, I'm assuming is a rangoli in, in the forest with these beautiful 
found materials out there. Um, so just leaving that little piece of yourself in art, you know, you don't have to glue it down. Nature's going to destroy it. It's going to blow away. The snow's going to cover it. Um, but you've left a little piece of you and your creativity. And I think that's really, really important because there's a lot of high level thinking. And that's what we really need from, from our students. We need that deep creative thinking. Yeah. It's going to carry them far. It is. It is. And then we're setting that foundation for them in the early years and just allowing them to have that, that moment of unstructured, free, like creative play that really allows them to, to do that deep thinking and that deep learning. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the flip to um, the last couple of years with diving more into structured literacy and again, totally different where you go from unstructured play in loose parts to more of a very structured way of learning how to read and write and make that sound symbol connection, um, using the different textures in their multi-sensory learning of gathering that letter knowledge and those sound knowledge and not having to buy anything new. We already had it or adopted something out of our cupboard um, and was ready, ready to go. Um, we quite often do um, like maker space. We, we call our whole classroom a maker space, um, but we'll have time where on the floor, on a table, we'll create something. And then we, we pause and we draw it and we draw it right in our journals. And there's a couple, I know Angela Stock, uh, Stockwell, um, she authors that of uh, students need to touch things and explore things and move things to come up with the story. You're not just going to sit down to a blank piece of paper with a story. You need to either experience that story. You either need to move the storyline around. You need to build the storyline. Where is it? What's happening? Who's there? Before you can come to that white piece of paper. Um, so for journals for us, our students very much love that time where and and we often bring it to them like we've seen them create something and we're like can you record this in your journal do you think this is the perfect piece to draw and write down um and then they can start to learn how to draw oh I see lines I see I see round lines curve lines um for these different loose parts or pieces that you've built so you're building so many skills for them and then they can write something authentic they're already talking about it orally. So now it's time to put it into print and then they have a story to share um, with their classmates. So that's been definitely, I think journals in the past, we definitely, we've, I'm very guilty of the Monday morning, let's do journals, what do you do on the weekend? And that's sometimes really hard to recall for these little people. But if you're catching them in the moment of like, this is a wonderful story and look what you built, let's capture it and keep it forever. Um, which is really the purpose of a written story that they really they really honor that and trust that and they love and then sometimes they get into the group and they'll come to you um, and be like okay I built something that I want to keep forever and you're like perfect and sometimes like we have a like a builder's hall of fame a bulletin board in our classroom and it definitely honors the loose parts in our room and we'll take pictures of what they built and we'll post it up there and then we get friends to write about it um, if somebody new was to come into our classroom, what should they know about what you've built there? Um, and then you usually get those reluctant writers or not frequent writers to write and practice and share their story in a different, in a different way. Mm -hmm. So that's often a big hit of, again, merging all these needs, right? The needs of the kids with the needs of the educator and supporting their learning and fostering creativity without having to buy anything new. Yep. That's the thing, right? Just 
not having to like reinvent the wheel either. Like it's part of your pro it's just part of your programming. It's not something that becomes separate from your program. It's part of your programming. And so it, it's less break times. It's less transitions for the kids because it's not like, okay, we're stopping play because now we need to do our writing journals. Like it's part of their experiences. It's part of the day. It's honoring their voice. And it's a continuation of the learning that's already taking place. So it's really honoring that play-based um, view of, of learning for your students. Absolutely. No. Yeah. 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 I loved everything about this. I feel like we could probably talk for another like three hours about <laughs> like loose parts. And now I want to come visit your classroom. Uh-huh. And yeah, before recording, we found out that we're pretty close to each other. So you might just see me like pop into your classroom <laughs> and like be like, I wanted to come play with some loose parts. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, you're welcome. Welcome anytime. And it definitely evolves. That's one of the things like our room at different points of the year, you see different things as the children's interest coming go. Um, they change. Like I was sharing with um, Amanda before we started, they're very into mythical creatures right now. So we definitely put out more like sparkly and glittery loose parts for them. And that's really, really taken off and asking some really, really great questions of, you know, why they see some unicorns have glitter and some don't. And I can't answer these questions for them. I really don't know. Like unicorns are very mythical, but allows them to sit in the wonder. Um, And I think loose parts has also taught me that to be uncomfortable with the silence as an educator, I don't always have to know. I just know that like, like the tile pieces I picked up, I just know I wanted that shape. I didn't have that shape and that weight. And I don't know what it's going to become. And that can be uncomfortable for educators. I honor that. Um, But with taking the shift to, to a more loose parts based program, it's really taught me to be uncomfortable in the silence and what comes from the silence with the children and how they fill that void um, and honoring their own silence and what they are thinking and doing and coming up with um, so that that rich learning can come full circle for them. Yeah. I love everything that we got to talk about today. So thank you so much for sharing. Um, If people are looking to learn more about loose parts or everything else that you're doing in your classroom, where can they find you? Uh, So I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest. Pinterest is new and growing. So maybe you'll be part of the the new club over there. Um, Definitely Instagram and Facebook is where I'm most active. But like I said, growing, growing on Pinterest, slow and steady. And, uh, and you can also email me at loosepartsofkinder at gmail.com. And we can converse and talk about getting started, getting out of a funk, I love it. I'm going to link everything in the show notes for anybody who's listening that wants to connect with you. I will link everything for uh, the listeners out there in the show notes. You can just click and find you and connect with you and find all your amazing ideas. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining. And yeah, I can't wait to see more about all these amazing loose parts and all the other amazing things you're doing in your classroom. This was like a small part of like all the stuff that you do in your classroom, but I feel like loose parts is so big, but it is also just a part of what you do as an educator as well. And all the amazing things that you share. Yes. Oh, well, thank you. Yes. And I, and I feel like over the last couple of years, like I was saying, my own shift and focus has really become 
structured literacy, but I try and make sure that I fill the grid with other things because I feel like I could take over and share them because I've become so passionate and have seen such a positive impact from students that it's just like, I want everybody to feel this, like join me on this train. It's wonderful over here. Yeah. My teaching partner this year, um, it was her, not that she didn't do a lot of structured literacy before, but like I brought in that, I brought that to our partnership this year and she's just like blown away. She's like, I can't believe this is October and what they're able to do already. And I'm like, yeah, it's powerful. Like it's the shift is really powerful when you're, when you're doing that. Absolutely. No, it is. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. No problem. Thank you for having me. Thank you.